0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new, another brand new episode of the Rugby Muscle Podcast. This is episode 94. And today we're doing a quick fire Q&A edition once again with Ben Brown of BSL Nutrition, uh, former rugby player. We had him on the last podcast, episode 93. Go ahead and give that a listen if you haven't already tons of nuggets of knowledge on that one and there will be another ton another ton as tons more tons more there's going to be a few more nuggets of knowledge on this episode because we are answering you guys' questions from instagram Every time I bring a new guest on, or an old guest actually, I'll do it with old guests as well, I'll throw up on my stories at on Instagram at tj.strength, I'll throw up that sort of questions icon where you guys can ask all sorts of questions, so whether it's a personal question, depending on the guest, or just a stupid question for us to answer and have a little bit of a laugh, feel free to do that, and you can just do that on my Instagram at tj.strength whenever I have A guest. Now, if you're interested in programming, then I suggest you visit rugby-muscle.com for the 50 free conditioning sessions. If you really want to gain muscle, then you want to you want to grab the Rugby Muscle Protocol, of course, which you can grab at rugby-muscle.com forward slash protocol. All right, I already feel a little bit filthy from from doing those plugs. I hate doing those plugs, but it's important because it supports this podcast and gets us better guests, gets us better services for you guys, and it's needed. But it is also coming, so let's go on with this episode, shall we? Q&A edition with Ben Brown of BSL Nutrition. All right, and now we are back with Ben Brown of BSL Nutrition. How are you doing, Ben?
1: I'm great, brother. Thanks for having me back.
0: Apologies for that full start. Uh, Easy. But we're good. We're going to go. We've got Today's episode is another quick Q&A edition. Um, we've got six questions. Let's see how quickly we can get through these. Uh, but... I warned you about this and I forgot to do it in the last episode. I do need this week's fact of the week from you, Ben. It could be about anything that you want, um, but it has to be somewhat random and, and definitely has to be interesting.
1: The fact of the week?
0: Yes, sir. Um, so
1: uh, just uh, any, this-
0: any random Wikipedia fact that you, that you could pop off that uh, will impress people. It sounds kind of oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> put, you on the, put you right on the spot. I, I, the I don't know.
1: I, you know, I was just talking to someone, but I think uh, people don't realize. I don't know. I don't know if this is necessarily going to be a fact, but <laughs> what people don't realize is that. We use that. That willpower is, is basically a muscle. And so the more we can limit the amount of decision-making that we have to do on a daily basis, the better off we're going to be in terms of what we can accomplish. And I'll attribute this to a saying that some very high performers tend to wear the same clothes every single day. They tend to eat the same foods every single day. Um, they have very set routines and the reason this works so well for them is because it limits the number of decisions that they have to make so that the decisions that they do have to make, they can really dedicate their entire mental energy and, and drive towards. Uh, and so uh, this is something that I call skill power versus willpower. I think it's important to limit the number of decisions, which is why having a routine in place is very important.
0: Yeah so the 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 willpower actually comes not from just uh just having a strong willpower it comes from your set routine in general which helps strengthen other other areas other aspects i guess Correct Yeah i like it it's a so it's, it's a bit left field for our fact of the week, but I love it because that's something that guys could should be able to take away and use. Um, I think we touched on that when I was on your podcast, I believe. Decision fatigue and and the exp- yeah, the and stuff. yeah. It's it's really maybe I learned it. Maybe I learned it from you, man. There you go, <laughs> full circle. I love it. Nice stuff. All right. Um, so yeah. So today we, we've I, I I threw up a uh, ask me questions thing on my Instagram story, and so we've got a few questions. Not not a whole bunch, but. If, okay. if you, if you see any, any listeners, if you see these in the future, this is a great chance to get like a specific answer to your question as opposed to, um, you know, as opposed to just a quick one, one word or, or one line answer that I can sort of give back to people on Instagram or, or that email me. We can go quite in depth on these podcasts, even though they're quick fire Q and A's, we'll see what we can get through. So yeah, first question, Ben, what supplements are best for my money?
1: What are your goals uh,
0: see that's all I have unfortunately, so yeah you you asked the same question that i would i I would have asked
1: um, so that's the thing is you know you got to put it into context, and so I'd say generally speaking, you don't need supplements like take eat whole foods, exercise, you know, be physically active, um get enough sleep, but if we're talking about general supplements, I mean there's very few that uh, you know, are, are just hands down something that you abs. In fact, there's virtually none that you'd say hands down, you have to be taking. Um, Funn- so I'd say enough,
0: I have a, a, uh, a supplement guide that I give away for free at tjstrength.com, And on that guide, we have a, uh, different, different grades. So essential supplements, you know, um, yeah. recommended supplements, and then like supplements that you can if you really want to tick every box and then like unnecessary overhyped stuff. So in the in the ones that we say that these are the ones that you have to have, it's just a blank page.
1: So that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. You don't,
0: you don't there's nothing that you have to you there's no the, the word is supplement. It's so funny how it's well, still 2019, and we're still discussing how. I'll,
1: I'll tell you. I'll tell you the, the the ones that I tend to recommend to my clientele that are the most popular, and I'll give you the top few. Um, okay, so one is digestive enzymes. Ooh. And the caveat here is that you have to be drinking enough water, and most people don't drink enough water. Therefore, they're not producing enough stomach acid to effectively. Um, break down their food. Their pancreas doesn't have enough fluid to adequately, you know, produce uh, pancreatic enzymes and bile to break down and emulsify fats. And so one that I found a lot of value in is just implementing a digestive enzyme. And this is one that would have HCL, which is hydrochloric acid to help break down proteins in the stomach. um, because, with stress, with environmental toxicity, with uh, poor food choices, um, with not drinking enough water, our HCL production can go down. So we may not be breaking down the proteins effectively. And then it certainly goes down as we age. And then you want something that has some uh, pancreatic enzymes as well. And those are things like amylase, lipase, protease, those all work on carbs, proteins, and fats uh, to break those down. And so my rationale is basically if If you were not breaking down the foods that we're eating, right? Then why bother with anything else? Yeah. So,
0: so your number one recommended supplement almost is food, and then the next one, when we're actually talking about supplements, is something to help you digest your food because that's how important fucking food is, right?
1: That's it. That's a hundred percent it, man. And I've seen I've seen a lot of benefit from just getting a good digestive enzyme in with people. Um, There's just so many. I mean, I think digestive, uh, some form of digestive disorder is like the number one most, you know, in terms of medications prescribed, especially or especially over the counter medication purchases or or, uh, product purchases from like, you know, a Walgreens or a drugstore or have all have to do with digestive dysfunction. And so one, again, is I think drinking enough water could certainly be the answer for a, a significant percentage of the population. But second to that would be just plugging in a good digestive enzyme.
0: Yeah, I like it. Cool.
1: And then uh, second is magnesium. Um, we've, we know that people tend to be pretty deficient in magnesium because of our soil quality so poor, so that the, the food that's grown in the soil that's nutritionally deficient is going to be nutritionally deficient, specifically in the mineral magnesium. And magnesium is a big one because we use so much magnesium in so many different chemical reactions in the body, hundreds of of biochemical reactions from nervous system function to blood sugar regulation to energy production. And so we're constantly utilizing it to function. Therefore, it's easy to become deficient, to say nothing of the fact that people don't eat enough whole foods uh, leafy greens grains and i'm not justifying grains per se but i am saying that for first they're certainly not the devil
0: yeah um,
1: sure. Uh, and so i think magnesium is a huge one can be a huge one that people can get pretty good benefits from and there's uh you know there's a there's a few different kinds of magnesiums but the, i'll just say that um, looking for a more uh what's called a chelated form of magnesium. And it's basically a, what, something like magnesium glycinate, magnesium citrate, magnesium uh, malate. It's, uh, it ends with the ATE in that it's bound to an amino acid. And that means that it's going to be more effectively uh, utilized. It's going to be more bioavailable, if you will, for the cells to utilize in the body. So I would look for one of those forms if you're at the store as opposed to a magnesium oxide, which is just gonna give you the runs.
0: Yeah. Um uh, I know I, I've dabbled with it. I do I do take magnesium and I used to take the ZMAs, or yeah. The VMAs, but that it used to just put me to sleep and so now I'll just try and take a magnesium or I'll do um like a salt bath.
1: Yes. Love Epsom salt baths. And I'll give you a little clinical pearl that I utilize with people because the Epsom salt is uh, magnesium sulfate. And so obviously anything that's on our skin, because our skin's an organ, is going to be absorbed into our bloodstream. Mm -hmm. And that's why doing an Epsom salt bath is so beneficial to help replete magnesium levels. And, And also, you know, earlier we were talking about recovery strategies in the last episode. Yeah. An Epsom salt bath is actually a really wonderful uh, recovery strategy because of the amount of the magnesium in the Epsom salt. And so what I recommend people do is a two to four pound Epsom salt, e- Epsom salt bath um, before bed uh, a couple nights a week. If we feel like they need to really ramp up uh, their magnesium levels, if they're sore, if they're fighting an infection, uh, you know, like a, if their immune system suppressed, if they're sick. Uh, and so by doing a, a huge amount, like two to four pounds, you can really just, you know, uh, basically shuttle in a ton of magnesium. But you got to be wary, like make sure you do it before bed because it's going to knock you out cold. Yeah. Um, so it can be a good way to improve sleep and also uh, just be careful uh, so you don't pass out in the bathtub. So make sure someone has an eye on you. Uh, in case you're super deficient, and it, sure. it just makes you nod off.
0: Yeah, I am. Um, th- I think that's like my best. The best benefit I have from having those salt baths, to me, the Epsom salt baths, is that like I almost uh, just just pass pass right out, and and I yeah. get the best night's sleep after that, and I feel so refreshed. And yeah, obviously, it's it's partly due to having just an absolute awesome night's sleep. But also there's there's definitely something to do with the uh with the magnesium just getting into my system and helping recovery as well, for sure. It's
1: it's seriously one of the best strategies to help so many different body systems. And uh that's you know, it's inexpensive. There's no magic supplement, man. It's it's an Epsom salt bath. Like it's just such a great hack, if you will. And I hate that word, but it really is it's a great hack yeah. to Really make a positive impact on so many different things,
0: but one that actually actually works. So yeah,
1: it works for
0: sure. Um, so we'll move on to the next question. But that was really good. Like I, I, that's the first time we've 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 had an answer for the supplement question. Like you know, it's a question that always comes up, and it's the first time we've actually not even given a single quote unquote proper supplement. We've given a, a salt bath. You know, magnesium, or even if you take magnesium and digestive enzymes to help you digest your food
1: yeah i mean i it totally that's why i say you know what's your goal like if we're talking about what's the best supplement to help me get over my cold what's the best supplement to help me manage my blood sugar what's the best supplement to help me manage stress i mean there's things that we could recommend but really it's just not that well supported I, i mean there's things that have shown to work but the the, you know, the degree of benefit is relatively small. And so even with the ones that I mentioned, so by, by that same token is, uh, you know, anecdotally there's pretty good benefits, but, you know, I guess it just depends, right? As as with everything.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's the tiniest. That, that's the thing. That's why we don't recommend it as much, like, or we, 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 we harp on that food bandwagon because food can make a huge difference. Supplements mm-hmm. can make a difference, but... But the, but getting your food right can make a massive difference. And so don't that's focus it. on the supplements, focus on the food. Yep. Speaking of which, next question is, uh, why is nutrition so confusing? I keep getting opposite advice.
1: Yes, that's a great question. Yeah. And it's a great question because there's so much conflicting information out there that, dude, how can you not be confused about it? I mean even as a, as a nutrition professional, if you will, as a fitness professional, right, having a degree in this stuff, it's still confusing. It's probably more confusing now than it was when I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I was just dogmatic about eating paleo and avoiding gluten, right? It's, it, it's so confusing because – and the reason it's so confusing is because we are all biochemically individual mm-hmm. and we all need different things. And there's no one right way to do it. It's, it's find the way that works best for you. And, and the only way to do that is just to start to experiment and really get in tune with how you feel and not you know, be a zealot about what it is that you're doing and not it is just really be observant about it and use it as a research, you know, an N equals one research study and say, I'm going to try this. I'm not going to attach any biases to it. You know, I'm going to try keto. I'm going to try um, intermittent fasting. I'm going to try low carb. I'm going to try Atkins. I'm going to try the whole 30, like whatever, try it all. And you because the best thing that's going to happen for you is you're going to realize what works and what doesn't work. And from that, you can start to build Your own unique nutrition plan. Yeah, because as we've seen, you know, there's vegan. It's there's outliers in every area. So there's vegans that are professional athletes that have a ton of muscle that would swear by doing a vegan diet. There's 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 carnivore diet and you know keto zealots that would say that's the only way to go. That's fine. Maybe that works for them, but it's not right for everyone. We know that.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that the, that's the first con, sort of confusing message I think people get a lot is, reality is everything does work. So when someone says, hey, this is the only way, well, that's false. Like there is no only way. There is a, there is, but there are millions of different ways that do work. Yeah, you know, we're not saying that keto doesn't work or veganism doesn't work, but we're saying that they're not the only thing that works. And there's a huge difference between those two statements.
1: That's it. And it has to do with our, our just our, un, our DNA. It has to do with our, our, where our ancestors come from, the part of the world where our ancestors come from and what our ancestors ate and whether they yeah. ate grains or whether they, they didn't. And man, then there's so many different genetic, uh, you know, components to it. And so you really got to tune in and this. I know people want an answer. They want to know, no, just tell me the way there's no way, man. The way is for you to figure it out yourself and take, what you're saying tj and start to plug it in and try it out and take what i'm saying and find what resonates with you plug it in and try it out maybe it'll work maybe it won't
0: we i mean i'm sure you find this as well it's like when i even when i have people that pay me money to work on their nutrition it's not a case of oh i just write this meal plan and that's it like it's every single week, right? What what went wrong this week? Why did that go wrong? Oh, because you had this social arrangement, mm-hmm. or, or did you have this food come up, or or whatever it is, you know? And it's learning. Like nutrition absolutely should complement your life, and there's and and it's never going to. If you look at the things in like those black and white, like you have to do this or you don't have to do this. And I think that advice only ever comes from underqualified people, which it's a lot harder these days to vet those people because. Who, you know, a lot of people will have found this podcast through social media. And so it's not, it's not like they went to a college and, and sort me out, you know? And uh, so therefore I'm on the same ground as someone that has never done any research into nutrition, but is in amazing shape because of whatever they do.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's combining the art and the science and, and right. It's the coaching process. It's, it's despite the fact that people may be paying you for the nutritional guidance, what they're really paying for you paying you for is the coaching process yeah. to help them create more awareness around what they're doing why they're doing for you to give them the tools to plug in and then help them interpret the results so that they're creating a way of life and in you know that resonates with them that they can continue to do and reap the benefits from
0: yeah and it's like a it's like a continuous feedback loop and i almost think that's another that's like the last part where people sort of get messed up when they're talking about nutrition is and why it gets confusing is people always want the next step like they always want to to create a new loop and but they haven't finished the other one so you know they're they're trying to find out what the best supplement is but they haven't sorted out their diet first or they're looking for the best post-workout meal but they don't even care what they eat pre-workout and those sorts of things are where people or they always want the next step but if you haven't got your current step down you're just going to trip up Boom, that works. That's it, man. That's it. <laughs> nice. All right, so next question. Um, uh, what do you guys think of Stan Effeding's vertical diet? Have you heard of this? No, I, I've
1: heard of it. I don't, I have no idea what it is.
0: Um, it's, I mean, we can, we can just take this and file it almost under the last question, right? I think it's it's a type of diet. It seems to work very well for Stan Effidin. It seems to work for, very well for a few people that have done that, and it's, you know, it's not the be all and end all for sure, but I think it's it. something about, I think it's yeah. like a lot of, um, I think it's beets, which are great, like nothing wrong with beets. I think it's lean or some, or might even be fatty, but it's, it's red meat. It's a lot of red meat and it's a lot of either, I think it's, it's white rice and and for some reason it's carrots. I'm sure that's in there. And I have no Dude. idea why it's vertical. Maybe we should have done a bit more, and maybe if, if I if there's interest, we'll do a whole episode on this. But I don't
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's just could...
0: he's picked some very good foods and said, Right, eat only these. And you know, talk to me why that could be a good thing.
1: Well, it, you can do it. You can I can make a diet with any four different foods or or ten different foods and say, Okay, eat these great. You know what that's going to do? It's going to cause you to eliminate a lot of the shit that you've been eating. So invariably, it's going to cause you to create a caloric deficit. And you know what happens when you're in a caloric deficit? You lose weight. Amazing. And so, I mean, you could say, what do you think about X diet? You could say it about any single diet and I'll say, "Eh, it's probably fine. It probably works to some degree. The real question is what happens when you stop following the diet or even better is, is it something that's realistic for you to follow forever? Yeah. Or is it something that you could just cycle in and cycle off? In which case that may be beneficial or find times of the year when it's beneficial to do. Um, you know, so you, you got to look at it from the right perspective and put some context around it.
0: Yeah. I think, um, Yeah, it's it's just strange it's people but i guess it's not that strange i guess people just want a black like it's easy when they do it like people will find a lot of success if they do have a black and white answer because you almost don't have to ask any more questions there's no more confusion like everything that you can't eat is bad and if that works great like if if you could do that and and avoid all the stuff that you're not allowed to eat and, and be fine with that have at it. But most people. Yeah, but the problem is it doesn't work. Yes. We know but, it doesn't work. Re- most, people research. most people have temptation. They have lives. They have other priorities. And, 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 like, temptation is a big thing. Like, food, to enjoying their food, if they're told that they have to eat a diet where they don't enjoy any of it, you're not going to stick to it. Like, you just. Well, it
1: also it's, it's goes right back to that whole, as you said, the decision making muscle. It's like, if you're constantly thinking about, I can't eat that, I can't eat that, I can't eat that, I can't eat that, can't eat that what are you going to do, man? You're, you're eventually going to eat it. Like it's just, you're you're putting way too much stress on yourself. And so what I do think is it's important for people to experiment with this kind of stuff to see how they feel so that when they find something that they feel works for them, they have more ammunition, they have more tools in the toolbox to come back to because there's so many things that work well to the degree that you can invariably start to rotate through these different strategies you can use ketogenic for a couple of weeks to your benefit, understanding that it's not the end-all, be-all. You can use intermittent fasting to your yeah. benefit, understanding that maybe it's not something you're going to do consistently, but maybe just a few days a week. You could do a, a, a protein-sparing modified fast. You could do a high-carbohydrate you know, diet for a few weeks if you're bulking, right? I mean, it, dude, it, the sky's the limit, but you don't know how it's going to affect you if you haven't tried.
0: And if you don't have specific measures almost to figure out if it did work or didn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have thing. to be, people, people
0: end up trying diets for like three days and they're like, ah, I got bothered. And you're like, well, you don't know if it was good or bad. You haven't given it a proper chance. Well, and maybe you yeah. In that, and that's a, it a chance.
1: That's a really good point. But the, the reality is if you know, for you, if you try it for two or three days and you quote unquote fall off the wagon, then that diet in and of itself is not going to be something that's going to uh, be realistic for you long term
0: at that stage
1: or for anything more than three days
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly um and the next next question actually is about intermittent fasting um and i'm again also going to file that under the previous question unless you've got anything else to add about fasting because i know you've been doing a little bit of that recently
1: yeah i i love intermittent fasting and the the really the most the reason i love it the most is simply because it it creates a a seemingly realistic way for people to create a caloric deficit. Yeah. So really to effectively manage their calories within a, a con- within the confines of some set rules, which I think rules work well for people. If I tell you, you know, would you, what would you rather hear is say, just don't eat for the next 12 hours. So don't eat between 8 PM and 8 AM, or for me to give you a whole list of foods that you can't eat.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I love. That's why I love it. It's nothing to do with the hormones or anything. It's the simplicity of it. Uh, you don't like you like the two big simplicities of it is number one. You know, if you do it from maths, you know you literally take the volume of maybe the one or two meals that you would have had whilst you're fasting and just add those to your extra meals. You're going to enjoy those meals more because they're going to be bigger and yeah better. And then the other and then the other benefit is that you just literally don't have to worry about food anyway you don't have to worry about oh is this candy going to set me off or or should i eat this or should i eat this or oh i've got to cook this i've got to prepare this i've got to bring this with me i need a knife and fork blah 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 blah. i need to be tupperware tony and take all of my tupperware boxes no you don't have to worry about any of that like none of that enters your brain because you know you're just not going to eat you're just going to drink like either just drink water or water and tea or water and coffee right whatever and it's simple
1: the, um, I'll say one other thing about intermittent fasting that I find extremely valuable is, is it helps you tap into, uh, get, get more comfortable with feeling hungry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: sure. that is very valuable tool for people to have because we freak out when we get hungry and people make very poor decisions because they don't know how to control and interpret their hunger signals. And the more you do it, um, the more comfortable you get with experiencing hunger to the degree that you know how far you can push it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost a skill to be able to develop uh, that most people need to create more awareness around. Most people need to learn to experience hunger. And, uh, and just by doing that, they'll end up restricting their calories by waiting longer to eat because they realize Am I actually hungry? No, I'm just bored. I'm just thirsty. I'm just habitually would eat right now, but I'm not even hungry. So why am I bothering?
0: Yeah. Perfect example is like going to the movie theater, right? Yes. Like every time I just get a popcorn. Why well, am I getting a popcorn? Am I hungry? No, not really. But this is what I do. You know, I've just actually had a big meal, but because I'm at right. the movies, I've got, I'm going to have to get a big popcorn or be munching on something. Yeah. Now sure. I'm hungry. Yeah. So that's So You're not doing that because you're hungry. You're doing that because it's there cool all right intermittent fasting nailed right next last two questions so we've got uh, okay this one is just bcaas or eaas so
1: um honestly i I mean i'm biased because i have an ea powder i i think i'll tell you that there's really there's good research about bcas and utilizing bcas around your peri workout you know in the peri workout window so before during whatever after your workouts, I think BCAs are great for vegans or vegetarians or whatever plant-based. So if, if, if someone's trying to hit a protein goal, but they're not eating enough animal protein, which is rich in leucine, leucine's the essential amino acid that we know is really important for muscle protein synthesis. Mm -hmm. If people aren't getting enough leucine, then that's potentially an issue depending on their goals. So supplementing with the BCA can be really effective, um, for people around their training. Again, I think what's very clear is, look, first and foremost, you have to get enough protein in throughout the day. Assuming you're doing that, you don't need either. You don't need either. Now, if you're not, then we can talk BCAs and EAAs. It's my preference to get EAAs because it's more of a complete protein. So to be clear, when we say EAAs, we're talking about the essential amino acids, and that's all nine essential amino acids, as opposed to just the three branched chain amino acids. So with the EAs, you're getting all of them. Um, and so you're still getting the three BCAs. So it's it's my opinion that consuming all nine is going to be more effective, especially, and so here's where I find more value in the EAs is for one, for people that don't consume enough protein, but two more specifically is people that don't do well supplementing with traditional protein protein powders, like whey, like plant-based protein. They may have ga- uh, digestive issues. Um, they may not like the taste. That's where utilizing an essential amino acid powder could really come in handy to help them hit those protein goals, uh, simply from a enhanced digestion or from a food sensitivity standpoint if they can't handle dairy, uh, those types of things.
0: Yeah, beautiful. So essentially... What you're saying is we can we if we get enough protein in, regardless, eh, the, we're not we're, we're not sure how much benefit we're going to get from either of those. But if we're in a situation, you know, like you said, veganisms, digestive issues, uh, even yeah, taste, and and one I've found is like feeling too full or being able to stomach food. Like I try and have people have. Um, a protein shake first thing if they're training thir- first thing in the morning, yep. just to get some something in their system. But some people just feel bloated straight away from it, or they just feel sick or whatever. And so, amino acids can definitely help. And as you say, if you can get a, an amino like an amino acid blend that is even closer to actual protein, like yeah, there's not as much leucine or whatever, but the science has shown that that doesn't really make as much of a difference. It's just about getting boosting those amino acid levels throughout the day um you know preferably as protein or not even preferably but normally as protein normally as just part of your food but if you can't get into that then yeah i think essential amino acids are probably going to go a little bit higher on the old scale than BCAAs, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I found a lot of value, especially for that first, first morning workout is getting the EAAs, the essential amino acids in. You have to stimulate muscle protein synthesis multiple times throughout the day. And that requires, again, is enough leucine around two and a half to three grams of leucine per feeding, which means you need to be consuming. I just had a conversation with, um, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who's really big in uh, muscle as the organ of longevity and, and protein intake, and mm-hmm. you know her research is showing that you know people need between thirty and fifty grams of protein per feeding in order to get that stimulus. And thirty grams, dude, that's a lot of protein. So this is an area where. Yeah, I mean, it's always best to say, eat real foods. Sure, I get it. But if we have a supplement that can help, then it could really be advantageous to create that muscle protein synthesis.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's really well put. Awesome stuff. Um, good answer to that question. And then we're going to move on to the very last question. <laughs> it's the what is the best post workout meal for muscle growth? So at least we, we've got good specifics there, but I mean, we spent this whole episode pretty much, uh, crapping on the idea of that. There is one best thing, but yeah. You
1: know. Yeah. I mean, so obviously you're going to need a, a good chunk of protein in, in a form that you can adequately digest. Right. So generally I'll say an animal protein, right. That's rich in the essential amino acids. And then depending on the type of training, um, you know, for and from an insulin standpoint, I mean, typically, if your goal is putting on muscle, you want to consume some form of carbohydrate, Um, and that can really be anything. Really, I mean, it, the post-workout window is beautiful because you're insulin sensitive, so likely that. And again, this totally like this totally depends on who we're talking about. If we're talking about a, a lean guy with a lot of muscle mass, they have very Different carbohydrate metabolism than someone who's metabolically deranged and is type two diabetic. Yeah, um, and so what I'll say, let's just say we're we're speaking to the generally fit and healthy male or female that has a decent amount of muscle mass, and you can kind of you almost can do whatever you want with respect to your total daily caloric needs. You know, your macro needs as long as you're getting a good chunk of protein. This is the time where you can kind of get fun and. Geez, I mean, maybe you could have a bowl of cereal with some skim milk. You know, you could, you could have um, a pastry. But generally speaking, I'll say yeah, like potato, rice, quinoa, oats, something that's going to be a little, you know, more effectively nutrient dense. Yeah, uh, and and generally you want to keep the fat a little bit lower in that post workout meal. Um, I'll, I'll I wrote I put together a perfect um, workout meals guide. I'll just give a uh, unsolicited plug for that. That's on my website. Um, I'm sure you could put the the link yeah, in, the it'll show be notes. in the
0: show notes for sure. Yeah. But,
1: be uh, I, I put together a somewhat comprehensive guide as to what to eat before and, uh, before and after your workouts within a time frame, like two to three hours and, you know, before and or greater, and then within one to two hours, 30 minutes before. But, um, generally speaking that post-workout window, yeah. Protein, high carbs, moderate, depending on your how intensely in the duration of your training, how much muscle glycogen you depleted, and then generally the fat should be low at that meal.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like there's so many factors that go into it, you know? <laughs> yeah. You said all of that. And I'm already I'm I'm also thinking, well, what did you what have you already eaten that day or what do you plan on eating yeah. for the rest of that day? And those That's it.
1: Really- and so it really does come down to it's the same as the the BCA A question. is like, okay, well what are your total daily macronutrient and calorie needs. Yeah. And so then what you can do is you can start to have fun breaking things down in the pre the post workout window so that, you know, generally I would say consume the majority of your carbohydrates in that pre and post workout window yeah. because that's when you're going to utilize them most effectively and then you can kind of disperse the rest of your calories uh, equivalently throughout the rest of the day, like protein equivalent through each meal, but then you could go f- higher in fat at later times or earlier times away from the workout window
0: yeah and the one last thing i would add to that like everything you said is spot on i would just add that you enjoy it like it's an enjoyable meal because um when you finished working out like you want to bring your stress levels all the way down and um, just by chilling out just having like some food that you enjoy that's really going to help whereas if you're you know, if you if you get straight from the gym, go straight to your 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 kitchen, and you and you, you know, I don't know what you rustle up something that stresses you out. It's really an awkward meal to make, and you don't even enjoy it. Then that actually could definitely have some significant effect on how well you recover and build muscle. So, has something yeah. that you enjoy?
1: For sure, ben. can't argue with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ben. So, thank you so much for coming on again. Um you already gave you. I've already said about your little plug about your, for your, is it pre, but your, your, it's, uh, my, I think, I think it's
1: called nine best pre-workout meals guide.
0: Nice. All right. That'll be in the show notes. Is there anything else that you want the guys to go check out at the end of the episode?
1: Um, no, I mean, if they want more nutrition information, they're welcome to check out my podcast. It's called the smart nutrition made simple show on iTunes. And uh, you are featured on that. Boom. Um, so, we could put a link to that as well. And otherwise, um, y- you'll have the other uh, resources for them to contact me if they have any questions.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, everything that you've been saying is very, very much similar to what we say over here at Robbie Muscle, especially with the nutrition stuff. It's it's awesome, man. Like, it was great to connect with you and great to have you on this podcast.
1: Always a pleasure, my friend. Take care.
0: Take care as well. Thank you so much. Thank you guys thank you very much for listening if you've enjoyed this episode or if you've enjoyed any episode of the rugby muscle podcast please go ahead and give us a five star rating and type a quick review takes about a minute and it really helps us out a ton helps grow the show helps grow rugby muscle and in turn we will be able to give you guys the best quality content information and programs that we possibly can if you're interested in any of that stuff like the free physique nutrition video series or the tj strength supplement guide or the 50 free rugby conditioning sessions you can find them all at rugby-muscle.com or by going through my instagram profile at tj.strength give me a quick follow